Star Trek, The Nerdy Frontier. These are the discussions of the Good Time Society. Their continuing mission, to explore each episode, to seek out new topics and ridiculous observations, to boldly watch what they've already watched before. to you, survivors of this planet. Mm, Both of there's you. so many. Yeah. <laughs> hey, so listen, I know that I'm the location scout. Uh, I just couldn't get Vasquez rocks, but my uncle does have this weird house out in the valley, so could we like shoot there? I don't know. Is it shaped like a normal house? No, 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 no. Not at all. Oh. Well, okay. Is it shaped like a middle school that was designed in like the early 90s with a way too big budget? Oh, so you have seen it. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to episode 303 of To Boldly Watch. Or like a Bond villain lair. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Definitely a Bond lair. Right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Or like a, a level in GoldenEye. Like, or a, a mall, honestly, is kind of what their house looked like. It was, looked mm. huge for just two people. Right. I don't want any right angles. <laughs> None. You could bump into a corner. No, no. Acute <laughs> angles for sure. Obtuse? That's my language. <laughs> Xander, you mentioned the Vasquez Rocks. I just went to them for the first time last week, and I realized that nice. they were in Star Trek a lot. Of, oh, apparently. yeah. There's a lot. Well, they're in a lot of things. You finally became an Angelino. <laughs> yeah. Well, in quarantine, Katie and I have been trying to go to places that are drivable in the city that we kind of never went to because driving never seemed appealing. But after a year of not mm-hmm. driving, it's not so bad anymore. But yep. Vasquez Rock's only a half hour away, and they're a great location. And they were featured in, like, the movies, the original series, and I believe uh, sometime in this season we'll see them, right? Yeah. So you still remember how to drive? <laughs> uh, yeah, as long as I'm on the right side of the road, I'm generally okay. Fun fact, right. I'm a part of a nerd parody band, and we shot one of our <laughs> music videos out in Vasquez Rocks in full Star Trek uniform, uh, and we told them that we were shooting engagement photos so we didn't get shut down. Ah, that's a great <laughs> answer. Do you have a, is that uh, online that I can share with the yes. listeners? Uh, it's Now You Have the Bridge Spock to uh, uh, hit me with your best shot. <laughs> All now right, you I have the bridge, Spock. The Kirk is away. <laughs> and we shot the away mission at Vasquez Rocks. Very nice. Mm-hmm. Well, what we watched today, though, was The Survivors, episode 303 yes. of T- The Next Generation. The Enterprise investigates two survivors living on the only undamaged patch of land in an otherwise devastated planet. What? That doesn't make sense. <laughs> Fun uh, meta fact about this. Uh, they actually watched this and created a reality show with Jeff Probst just a couple of years later. Loosely based on this. <laughs> I had to think about, I didn't know the reference. It's, oh, Survivor. It's Survivor. Survivor, okay. yeah, yeah. No, I get it. Uh, nothing like, like these Thanks. two uh, living here. But if that were true, that the survivors <laughs> on that show were just uh, images of Jess Probst's imagination, and <laughs> that would be an even better show, I think, actually. It would be great. If we learned that he engineered this all in his brain. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I would call this a, a Troy episode. Sure. And let me tell you, when you are the only member of the of a certain department, say mm-hmm. counseling, mm-hmm. it seems that you can just change your uniform color at a whim. <laughs> and this week is Aquamarine Troy, which I yes. am here for. Great I do, color. We see this more, don't we? 
Yeah, I do want to comment on this because yeah. it does come up later. Of uh, it's not specifically the counselor, but it's Deanna Troy who is afforded sort of this luxury of like expression, expressing herself through her clothing. Not afforded, but you know, Picard looks the other way. But as soon as someone of higher rank comes aboard, they're like, "Why aren't you in uniform?" And she's just like, "This is how it's always been." Uh-oh. <laughs> oh, I didn't know that. That's so the purple was her choice too, because you would think that counseling might fall in under sciences. It does. So if she were in her actual Starfleet uniform, she would have the same blue as like a crusher. Does this rule ever get broken in other uh, divisions of Star Trek or of the Feder of Starfleet? Sorry. It's whoever needs to have a weird skimpy costume. That's for what I'm ratings. saying. Is like, is there going to be an engineer down there with just a vest on? Like, yeah. I mean, to be fair, with the bod she's got, it is only fair to Marina Sirtis yeah. to show it off. It is a great outfit. If there's a hot-bodied engineer who has to work under those hot warp coils all day, slaving mm-hmm. away, and he just has suspenders that cover, you know, just here. Only. O'Brien. Just the nips? Yeah, yeah, O'Brien. Yeah. This would be perfect. If O'Brien needs to wear nip-covering uh, overalls, I'm fine with that. <laughs> oh, goodness. What did I do? Um, so we find out there's just one house left on this planet that we were sent to investigate that was obliterated, where we we expected to find a whole civilization, but there's nothing left. Mm-hmm. And uh, we are, we close our teaser with uh, Picard telling Riker to, to see who's home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> An away mission? I'm in, Captain. Yeah, don't yeah. even tell me twice. <laughs> they have a big away team. It's Riker, Crusher, Worf, and Jordy, right? It's whoever they Just could four? get to show up on set that day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Drive to a location. Who wants to go to my <laughs> uncle's house? Yeah. <laughs> well, at like despite how many people they have Riker immediately falls into one of the most basic traps ever which is like what do you even call that like just a, a, the old uh rope in the grass <laughs> yeah uh, uh, yeah i don't know what the, like a what do you call that i should know it's like as a, a dungeon Bugs bunny person. it's a booby trap i guess i guess yeah. a uh a tripwire no it's not Trip, a tripwire cuz yeah. a tripwire is a a line across. i don't know what is it slipknot a, a footnoose footnoose S- slip slipknot Corn, yeah. uh, system of a down. I don't know. Uh, he gets all upside down in correct. a tree. <laughs> foot um, noose trap. <laughs> what is a foot noose trap? Oh, a Fremont foot snare. Oh, Ooh. okay. Is that what they're called? The foot Fremont. snare. Now it a is a foot snare. That's what they're called. Well, they're they're sussing out that there's two people in the building. There's maybe a phaser near one of them, um, even though it doesn't work. Then they decide mm. to knock on the front door when he gets trapped, and we meet Kevin. Kevin. And Rashawn Uxbridge, who was totally the social worker in Mrs. Doubtfire. Yes. I would recognize that voice anywhere. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. She was uh, she was in a lot of stuff in the 90s, as a matter yeah. of fact. Wonderful actor. Uh, yeah. What a, what a contrast of names, right? Rashawn and Kevin. Kevin. And Kevin. <laughs> Especially what we learned One Kevin to be later. One of these people later. is alien. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> mm. Based mm. on name alone, hard to tell. <laughs> well, Kevin Rashawn, sounds like a human name. Data knows all the data on them, which is that Rashawn was a Tau classical musician, uh, and Kevin was a botanist. They're in their their octogenarians. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. And can they come in for tea? <laughs> 
Yeah, Data has like their trading cards, and he's like, "Oh, I've memorized <laughs> all of them. You're in my binder. Here you are." <laughs> so, uh, guess uh, so they play like they're not just octogenarians. Like, let's see, he they play like eighty year olds, right? Like, That's do you know how old? Do well, can do I you quote how, you on that forever and ever? No, I'm saying they're not just that. How, do you know how old uh, Anne Hanny is in this? Eighty-two. Yeah, do you know how old she actually is? The no. actress or the yeah. character? At, at the time of filming, how old the actress is? How, no. how old would you guess? I should say. Three hundred. Whatever data tells me. <laughs> okay, great guys. Uh, she's <laughs> only fifty-five. No. Wow. And then John Anderson is only sixty-seven. Wow. I mean, I would say seventy, but what? Well, no, but that's the thing is like, I, well, first off, I think old age is hard to uh, kind of discern mm-hmm. on TV, especially in the 90s. But also like this is the 24th century. Yeah. So like if there's Healthcare presuming that people, yes, they actually have a younger body. Oh, at that that's age fun. Kind of OK, that's what they mm-hmm. told the actors so they didn't get yeah. pissed off. <laughs> Don't no, 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 no. People 80s. age more slowly in this world. Well, when you do cast, I mean, when you have to cast an 80-year-old in anything that takes place in our time now, they don't cast a lot mm-hmm. of 80-year-olds because there aren't a lot of 80-year-olds that can act the same way. There's there's limited amount of them. Let's just face that fact. Mm-hmm. So you do have to cast 60 and 70-year-olds to ask to play older. That's a that's a thing that happens sure. for sure. But they were great. He uh, actually John, what's his name? John Anderson. Uh, his face is so uh, featured yeah. right it's so sculpted he he i learned that he actually plays played abraham lincoln three different times because of how much <laughs> he looks like abraham lincoln hey typecast is cast you know who's uh, <laughs> an actor that's an octogenarian irl right now who patrick stewart on- yeah that's true he's 80 and he's doing great mm-hmm. he and ian mckellen are both like performing top of their game still i think just you mean so nobody those comes bffs yeah nobody comes for us <laughs> sir ian sir patrick sorry 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 sorry, sorry. the sirs mm-hmm. but the is sirs. there something uh similar to aging in space age it's like if you're knighted then you also age more slowly is that a thing <laughs> uh maybe mm. presumably presumably yeah. i've never been Knighthood knighted so i'll let you know pep in your step yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I mean, we, uh, Memory Alpha makes this point, too, about the old character's age is that when we see Admiral McCoy in that first mm-hmm. episode, he's like 130 yeah. or something like that. Right. So there is some there is some age changes in those days. Are you telling me that, like, high schools aren't played by high schoolers? What? <laughs> what? <laughs> so what happens? Like, Troy just starts hearing the music all of a sudden while down visiting there, right? Okay, yeah. so Troy... There's a music box inside the house that plays this little waltz and Troy starts going insane on the ship because she can't get it out of her head and she's never heard this song before it just keeps playing over and over until she's just driven insane leading to some stellar acting from Marina Sirtis. Really she's given Brent Spiner a real run for best actor in the series. Hmm. Um, (laughs) Wow. Whoa. Okay. Yeah I would say they're they're uncomparable these two. Hmm. Um, I will not rank them, even though I've said Brent Spiner is my favorite actor in the series. Uh, you know what? <laughs> it's tied now. It's tied. Um, I think she did a ranking. <laughs> yeah. She did a great job with this. It was definitely an intense turn from the first beat of her being disturbed and annoyed by it to like screaming in agony to make it stop. That was very intense. Oh, actually, there was an in between where mm. she was really rattled by it, and then Picard came in to check on. He's her like, too, "Oh, huh? we've all had earworms before. Have you heard the Subway song? <laughs> no, it gets stuck in my head all the time." <laughs> 
<laughs> well, that's how torture begins, Jake. I mean, it's legit. Water torture? <laughs> Just one drop? No. It's fine at yeah. first until it bores a hole into your skull. No, I want to lose my mind every Christmas season when Mariah Carey's song comes on, <laughs> yeah. for sure. Like, I get what she's going through. Yeah. Well, and not only that, we had mentioned before uh, that she's the head of the counseling department and that doctors make the worst patients. There are so many instances where I was like, girl, counsel yourself. Talk to somebody. You need to work this out. And I was thinking that, too. Like, they're so good in this show so far about being self-disciplined about getting themselves checked out. But she all of a sudden really wants to hide this. Yeah, but it's the counselors make bad patients. Mm. Mm -hmm. Picard Mm. tells her, take whatever necessary supplements you need to get sleep. And Mm. it made me wonder, if you can replicate any drug, is this, you know, a real organ up in space? And, um, like, (laughs) there... You can take whatever you want. Is the replicator an endless pharmacy? Is yeah, that what you're asking? Are people um, self-medicating their pharmaceuticals? So there's a little bit of an answer to that because, the, for instance, the alcohol that it produces is called synthahol. So there's this um, like understanding that you'd have to p- specifically input to make chemical changes. So like a prescription drug or something like that to be replicated, you would need like permission from the doctor to actually get that. So it can just make placebos. Yes. The same would go for like a cigarette or something like that. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, well, just asking questions about replicators, no big deal. I don't know why you have to call me out, Jake. Uh, Replicator, shrooms, please. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I have my clearance. I got my doctor's note. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it could be a fun workplace environment. Just saying. Who needs shrooms when you have a Give me Molly. Yeah. yeah, I feel like Worf would admire my gall. <laughs> okay, well, let's talk about that real quick because you kind of brushed over the fact that that phaser wasn't working. And I loved that Worf moment, moment too, which was like a little bit of a moment of comedy of like he like gets real stern with him about Dare threatening them with an unloaded weapon. And Kevin's like, sorry. He's like, no, on the contrary. Good job. I had some real, yeah, that took balls. That yeah. was great. I brushed over it because I didn't remember if when they scanned the house at the beginning and they noticed the phaser in the scan, if that they had noticed noticed it wasn't working. But I guess not. I guess right. Worf just has a keen eye for counting bullets. He no, he mentioned yeah, he mentioned that when he did a tricorder scan oh, or whatever. Like and the, the reason that comes up is because of the of Kevin's reluctance later on to use violence, right? Right. And so he set That's up a, a scenario whole thing, where he couldn't. It's a That's thing. a whole thing we'll get to. <laughs> it's a whole, whole thing, thing, yeah. Well we should talk about they they don't know. They're doing some detective work. Like what so why is there only one building in a little patch of grass on this whole desolated planet that was eviscerated by something? They say a big bad ship came yeah. um and they can't figure it out that's when troy excuses herself for the first time <laughs> gonna go ahead and story quick is mental that... breakdown just excuse me <laughs> <laughs> the story is she that they well. were they kind of don't know what happened it just kind of blotted out the sky and they didn't resist but they were spared and they don't know denial right? denial right. denial and right. kevin says he's a pacifist and rashawn says she would have fought if she could and this is a big old clue bing, bing. yeah yeah, I kind of missed it, honestly, in the first watch of this. Then, then I went back to see it because I realized they mentioned it in retrospect. So I'm glad you picked that up. Well, I was going through this time. It came back to me that one of them was something, and I couldn't remember which one, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, Kevin, they're both Kevin. something, you know. Um, mm. Neither of them are what they seem to be. Yeah, that's true. But back in space, there's a big old ship. 
with no identity, five times the mass of the Enterprise with an armament to polarize yeah. the planet. I think we found the guilty thing. Mm, and yeah. there's a lot I don't understand about the logic of this episode, even after it's all explained. Yeah. So <laughs> I understand, I think, the Kevin perspective. I don't understand how Picard quite pieced it all together. Yeah. It, or like his logic of getting there and not explaining any of it to the crew. Yeah. Like, like I get from a TV perspective that he's trying to be mysterious and lead us to the uh, dramatic ending. But like you got to tell somebody this stuff. And we right? don't really know. So, you, so part of me thought, well, maybe Picard's not saying something because if he says it out loud, then Kevin on the planet or Rashawn, we don't know yet, is listening and will yeah. act differently based oh. on whether or not people know. I, think oh, I didn't that even think of that. It's maybe that like there was 4D something, chess thing. Yeah, maybe <laughs> there was something cut out because what we... Uh, what eventually Picard mentions is that it seems like someone is clogging up Troy's um, perception of feeling ability by making her listen to this waltz over and over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, M- messed up way of jamming the channels yeah. for sure. Right? We ha- we have a, a a fight in space, a space chase, if you will. There's a pursuit involved between the big old ship and the Enterprise, and then somehow Picard figures out that this thing like can't damage them or isn't real or isn't well, taking damage from their phasers. So let's go through this step by step. The ship fires at them a really small burst that doesn't really damage them at all. Mm -hmm. So they're like, okay, we can handle this. And so then the enemy ship flees. Mm -hmm. They chase it, and it mirrors their speed, which is theoretically not impossible, but like They go up to warp nine, which you like need permission to go to and everything like that. You need permission. You do. You need to get a a slip from the cops. Uh, So so this is where I guess Picard decides, wait, they're drawing us away. Mm -hmm. That's what he surmises. And that's he's like, then I'm going to go – Back. I'm going to do the He's, opposite. Yeah, I'm going to do the opposite. So he goes back and hovers there and then goes and visits them again. And so I guess what he starts piecing together, from what I can tell, is that he realizes that everything that's uh, interacting with him just wants to make him go away. Mm-hmm. And his he doesn't see why he should, given that these people here are clearly helpless, right? Right. So he goes back with a plan, which uh, is he says okay, we're not going to bother you in your house anymore. We'll just be hovering around the orbit of the planet until we know you're dead. Goodbye. Yep. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, this is what we sort of ran into with the last episode, too, of like, okay, we go through the human tactics. Does reverse psychology work? Does this work? Does that work? Like, how do we get these people off this planet? <laughs> it's the ultimate yeah, question. Yeah, it is such a similar problem. Yeah. But, yeah, uh, really weird to have such similar episodes back to back like this. I think they maybe we would have forgotten if they'd spaced them out a little. They are pretty different in what happens with them. Sure. though. it's just like the the overall theme is a little bit similar. But like th- this is a yeah, I the the whole Picard mystery thing was a little. I was trying to follow along of how he figured this out too, but he did. We, we're along for it, I guess. Yeah. Uh, Troy gets worse. He the Enterprise retreats, and then from a fight with this ship again, which reappears after he leaves. Well, then Troy um, gets worse is a real understatement. Considering how much scenery was chewed. Yeah, there's teeth, um, teeth but marks. But I'm here for it. <laughs> there are teeth marks. Yeah, that's there a good point. Yeah, it's like no, agony town. No, make it stop. <laughs> and Crusher's there just giving her moral support and like yeah. doing the doctor thing real well. Um, we haven't gotten much from Crusher except for the first episode. 
You know, it's funny you call this a Troy episode, which I guess I see why you say that, but she's hardly really in it in terms of screen time because it's it, just her presence is felt because we know she's in danger. She gives a lasting memory, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I do think that they are sort of developing this friendship between Beverly and Deanna that you can see because I feel like in season one, that would have been Riker in there comforting her. And in season two, Pulaski oh. wouldn't have really made sense. So yeah. it's nice to see that relationship with Crusher. That's a really good point. They were also very lady pals in the bridge in the opening of the episode, mm -hmm. uh, I think Crusher's either sitting, I guess there's like a, a little table next to the three chairs um, of the command area. Yeah. Um, and Because there like was the medical, chair. <laughs> medical station, yeah. Yeah. Does she even have a console there? No console. I don't know. Console list. <laughs> medical station is just a chair. <laughs> it's not yeah. even a chair. It's like, oh, you can sit on that uh, end table. You can sit on these pillows we stacked up next to <laughs> yeah, Troy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> But then when he comes back down to make this like, okay, well, we'll just keep hovering till you're dead. Um, mm. They're dancing to the music box in a way that is like weird and makes it, it seem like maybe someone is somebody's fantasy. Mm. <laughs> I immediately sympathize with those actors having to do that waltz because literally right before we watched this episode, Katie and I had an audition where we had to dance together. Mm -hmm. And I'm always self-conscious about my dancing on auditions. Oh. And I was like, well, at least they had a... A nice little chill waltz, because that'd be way more comfortable than improvised dance. Yeah. Well, I bet they made them improvise. They're just like, okay, three, four time. We'll put some music to it. What? Just step in three, four. <laughs> That's true. They probably didn't do it with music. That's yeah. a good point. Oh, man. Um, so let's see. The Enterprise flees from a ship that's clearly more powerful than them, but won't destroy them, which is what Picard figures out, mm -hmm. right? So then he's like, you know what? We're going back, but I'm not explaining my method to anybody. And the ship's gone, and of course it'll be gone because it doesn't know we're here. And the crew's all like, what? Mm. <laughs> it's Say like what? in Truman Show. Yeah. He goes around looking for the traffic jam that was there a moment ago and is gone. <gasps> yeah. W what happens is that he goes down. Uh, actually, he. How does this work? He, the ship comes back e and notices them after he announces to them that he's returned one more time right because he was like they won't know we're here and then he's like we're here and the crew's like okay what <laughs> yeah 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 and so the ship returns and the sh the enemy ship obliterates from what we can see the oxbridge house well is this before or after he plainly says like the only way out of here is if you are dead after yeah. right so he comes back he says to them the only reason i'm leaving the only way i'm leaving is if while you're i will always be here as long as you're alive right, right? as he gives had mentioned. them that mm -hmm. condition of like this is your win condition if you die you win and we'll leave then he winks to Worf on the way out mm -hmm. the door. Yeah. And so so then they re reappear, obliterate the Oxbridges, and then it's like, okay, well, let's destroy the ship. And they do that no problem, whereas their photon torpedoes previously couldn't penetrate. Their shields, like, absorbed everything. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well. No reason to stay, then. Let's get on <laughs> out of here. Nice, tidy bow on top. Let's go. Warp nine. Picard won't <laughs> leave it at that, though. He's got to get to the bottom of a mystery just like Dixon. Mm, <laughs> Dixon Hill. Way to tie that in. That was great. I can't uh, so, his last name. so they go into high orbit, whatever that means, so they can uh, <laughs> keep an eye on the uh, keep an eye on the planet's surface. And oh man, uh, so Picard is like, okay, I get it. They can blink this house in and out of existence because it's back now after we just saw it obliterated. Uh, you know, this is all a recreation. The warship is a fake. 
And I know that uh, Kevin and Rashawn did it because I told them and they were only operating off the information I gave them. So let's beam them up. And then they beam up the couple uh, where he confronts Rashawn to tell her he doesn't think she's real either. Yeah, you don't uh-huh. exist. Wow, harsh like, reality to wow. face. Wow, yeah. Mm. Like, he's already had issues telling things that technically don't exist that they don't exist, right? Like, with the Dixon Hill yeah, uh, and or hologram things. a nanite swarm or, you know, <laughs> the yeah. list goes on. Picard yeah. really was facing down death here and didn't even tell the crew. He constantly puts them at risk by placing like kind of risky bets. He did this in the last episode of, uh, no, you'll have to go through us. And here he says, uh, Riker says something like, wow, you're just going to let him on the bridge and let him go free? He might be responsible for the deaths of 11,000 people that were in this colony. And he's like, he could have blinked us out of existence if he wanted. So don't think we need to worry about that. He's wisely hanging on to the clue that you mentioned earlier, which is that uh, Kevin was a pacifist. So he's, like, confirming all of his suspicions that, like, this warship that could have blown us up really hasn't effectively tried, right? Mm -hmm. And really only wants not us to to be destroyed, but just leave. So, like, he's I think he's kind of solved the crime by Act 3, and he's waiting until Act 5 to reveal it. So uh, he finds out where the villain's going to be at the end. Uh, No, he's not a villain. Kevin's wonderful. Um, But he's like, okay, I figured out part of it. Now please exposition me the rest of it. because I (laughs) Tell us your story. There's a lot of blanks in this story here. Right. And he feel, well, Kevin feels bad about destroying Troy's mind with a song, so he goes to help Troy and mm-hmm. uh, deal with that. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> and he says, I am a dowd, a, a mortal being who fell in love with an earth woman and has been living with her for 50 years. And he could, and then he explains that the entire civilization was destroyed by the Husnock, but when he fell in love, he relegated all of his powers um this reminds me of a certain tv show that everyone should watch on hbo but i'm not gonna say what it is anyway don't worry about it uh, spoilers um i really want to recommend it but then it's just giving well, it all away <laughs> yeah, no, i yeah. can't say it um <clears throat> um so he kind of like relegated his power he said i will not kill even though i could blink entire species out of existence because he loves this woman and he wants to pretend human with her um (laughs) yeah (laughs) but then after the entire civilization is destroyed he is so overwrought with pain and grief he confesses that he destroyed all 50 billion of the Hoosnock. so what yeah what do you do with that what do you do crazy picard's not sure you brought up a great point, Becca, in that that is the captaincy. Picard is always putting the entire ship at risk with families and extended staff and things like that. They're in, out exploring in dangerous situations, and someone has to make the tough call. Do we negotiate with these people? Do we blow up the planet ourselves? Do we do X, Y, Z? And we have the conference room where we get these different perspectives of his crew making recommendations but ultimately it comes down to picard and the choices that picard makes as a captain are different than what kirk or janeway would make and i think that's what's compelling here is that we follow along with the decisions that picard makes because in the end we trust that he's doing what's right or at least what he thinks is right right well and it's debatable at the end of this but essentially picard makes a snap decision because he asks himself how do you punish a god hmm i mean is that the why 
Is like, I, is it because I, he didn't feel he had jurisdiction over someone more powerful than him, or that he felt somehow that the action was, I don't know, justified because of what happened to his planet? Well, I think that he feels that Kevin is punishing himself for all of eternity yeah. after yeah. claiming to be a pacifist, caring so much about that that he let his love perish and then has to deal with the consequences of having this like uh, intense revenge that, that he regrets deeply, or kind of. And, and he has some great lines, including, Picard does, we have no law to fit your crime. You can mm-hmm. go back down to your planet. And then we realize he can just blink and make anything happen, so he doesn't really need to be transported down. Yeah, um, but like, like this guy's power doesn't excuse him from committing genocide. Like, he still did kill a civilization right like they do have a law against that yeah totally but if you try and hold him to trial what's to make him go you know fair but it's not because they don't have the law it's just because they can't enforce it right well i think it's more of what what becca was saying he said we don't have the the capacity to deal with something on this scale coming from one being like this is meant for mass you know trials of civilizations not just one person or one entity so I think that there's there's no easy answer for this, right? That's the conversation that's that's being had is mm-hmm. if you were to punish this being, what is the punishment? Isolation? Mm-hmm. Well, they're already on a planet and like is it take away the thing that they love as punishment? What is that doing? It's creating this festering being. The purpose of like a a uh, jail time or something like that would be rehabilitation to learn the error of your ways to atone for them and try to make things better and uh, the whole episode is basically a character assessment of Kevin by not only the away team but Picard of like is this a good person who has learned their lesson and is trying to atone for something that they can't control has happened in the past well said I guess yeah I mean it always makes me wonder about the dis- difference between justice and punishment because mm-hmm. I yeah like ideally that the punishment is also serving the idea of rehabilitation always that's that's always should be a goal uh, right. in terms of a moral sense but like uh, punishment always feels like our answer to things because it also makes us feel better about the injustice that occurred as opposed to like justice in any way it can trying to right a wrong it is what right. it, what is holding you accountable is it your morals is it an external law or is it some combination of the two like this law exists because i would be infringing on someone else's security if i were to break it you know what i mean yeah i guess I think I just most don't... injustices are caused by an injustice caused again or an injustice against the person who is committing this new offense right. so by yeah. just seeking retribution you're just keeping that cycle of pain Sometimes your young acting ensign just is playing ball and runs into the flower bed. <laughs> <laughs> this looks like that same location, almost. Right? The architecture oh, is really My uncle's house is real cool, I'm telling you. <laughs> Remember season one? We used it before. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it'll be way different, though. Yeah, are we still getting those naked people? <laughs> it is a beach house somewhere in Malibu, so when quarantine oh. ends, I'm going to see if we can get it on Airbnb and go stay there some Ooh, night. We should yeah. totally do, do a photo shoot in their backyard. <laughs> Guys, that be Kevin. was <laughs> that was a intense ending to that episode. But I yeah. actually kind of liked that episode. That was a little, it was a little slow at first, but it got going. This one felt a little more like the the talk rather than show. Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. I agree. It was it was, but not as bad as some of the offenses in previous seasons. No, for sure. Well, again, I, I we talked about this last episode of our recording, but like I really feel season three has tightened in such a nice way, and like it also doesn't look. 
so 80s TV as it mm. did in the first two seasons. I feel, mm-hmm. I don't know if the, the lighting's changed. I mean, I know the lighting has changed, yeah. but I don't know if that's what the difference is or the cameras. Sure. But it just looks like a cleaner show all around, and it doesn't feel so like, I don't know, maybe well, campy is the word? Ever since you mentioned it with the costume thing, too, I think about how much their budget has improved, and they can hire more people, create more elaborate sets that don't look as, you know, cheesy. They look so. more professional, too. Those those uniforms, actually, I take yeah. them a little more seriously. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, They're not for pajamas. Sure. <laughs> I'm sure camera quality is improving, for yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah. The, the lighting on the bridge looks uh, really great, too, especially they've kind of darkened it a little bit while still right. keeping the the very spaceship light there, mm-hmm. the very white light that still works. Um, and yet but they we'll- still have dust on the Enterprise plaque. <laughs> Just got to wipe that off. <laughs> Well, next episode, we'll be watching Who Watches the Watchers. Wait, what? <laughs> that has nothing to do with the thing I was not referencing. <laughs> uh, that's right. Check out Curb Your Enthusiasm on HBO. All right. The Enterprise must undo the damage when a primitive civilization discovers a Federation observation team and concludes that Starfleet personnel are gods. Yeah, I see that. I see that. All right, I'm ready to get to it. Yeah, I see that. Oh. God damn it.